Toolcase, the retail banking industry's preferred choice for real-time risk management and fraud detection. This is your host of the Toolcase Fraudcast, Sam Piccolotti. We would like to thank you for tuning in and listening. We strive to bring you industry insights and best practices with every episode. If you have suggestions on future episodes, please email us at info at toolcase.com. And be sure to visit us at www.toolcase.com for more information on our real-time solutions. And welcome to this new episode of the Toolcase Broadcast with my co-host, Brett Johnson. If you guys aren't familiar with Brett Johnson, just a short Google search, and I think you'll find the information you're looking for. Not only is Brett Johnson a current expert in the fraud and cyber world, uh, but in years past and in a former life was also known as the F- FBI's uh, godfather of cybercrime. And uh, Brett Johnson, uh, after many years of working on the other side of, of law, has, has joined the ranks of uh, the FBI and the Secret Service and, and other entities working to combat cybercrime and fraud and is a well-known speaker and uh, an expert in the industry. Always glad to have him by my side in discussion. Brett's great to see you again. Sam, it's been a minute. I am great. I'm happy to be back. I hope life's been treating you good. Very well. Thanks. And I, you know, before we before we introduce our guest, I, I want folks who are are um, being able to benefit from the audio version or the video version of this uh, broadcast to to know that Brett Johnson is also AKA Santa Claus. Ho ho ho! <laughs> Looking great, my friend. So I, know you're I, I wish everyone great tidings of good joy or good tidings of great joy or tidings of some sort. <laughs> I know you're excited to talk to our guest today, as I am, Sean Knutson. Sean, is that correct? Knutson? Uh, I like to say Knutson. You know, Knutson? K, hard K. Yeah, like my apologies. Knife, you know. I'm glad you said it because I was going to say it wrong to beat all hell. You can bet on that. It's a nuts and knuts and knuts and hey, however it comes out, we're good. Just don't call me seen, right? Call me Sean. Right. No, that's right. Uh, you know, we've we've had the pleasure of working together uh, as as a client vendor relationship for years and gotten to know each other. But I, I want the folks to have a little understanding of your background. Uh, Sean is with Canvas Credit Union, located here in Denver, Colorado. Great partner to us, and and doing great things for the for the uh, local communities here in Denver, Colorado. Over 20 years of risk management and leadership uh, experience in fraud compliance with uh, large and multinational companies such as Charles Schwab, et cetera, where he was a senior consultant. Built a financial crimes and investigation team there, and enhanced due enhanced due diligence. Uh, have worked with Visa as a senior director of global AML compliance, lead global, led global teams and conducted licensing due diligence. Uh, I've also worked with Western Union as a director of global AML and M&A and due diligence, BSA and OFAC. Uh, Sean, lots of great experience in the world of analytics and, uh, and, uh, and financial crime for sure. Tell us a little bit about uh, Canvas and what and what you're uh, working on today in the current role. Yeah, you bet. Thanks so much, Sam. Um, yeah, appreciate the introduction. Um, I have had 
kind of a soup to nut experience uh, from building programs, uh, both on the operational uh, side and the risk mitigation side. So very excited um, to be here today. Um, let me tell you a little bit about Canvas. Canvas Credit Union, as you mentioned, we're a, a state chartered credit union here in Lone Tree, Colorado is our headquarters. Uh, right now we've got approximately 30 branches and we're looking to continually expand along the front range. Um, this is, I believe, public knowledge now, but we're also looking to expand west. Uh, so we're very excited about uh, looking outward to serve our members here in Colorado. Um, in addition to a state chartered credit union, we're a, a large indirect auto lender. Uh, we do mortgages in multi-states. So we've got about five states right now that we're doing business uh, from an indirect auto lending and um, mortgage loan uh, um, side. So we're serving our members, uh, loaning them the money that they need. Um, and really from a Canvas perspective, we're led by our CEO, Todd Marksberry. Todd took over Canvas about approximately six years ago. Uh, at the time, we were a public service credit union. Uh, we served the public utility, XL Energy here. And um, over time, uh, with the new leadership and a new marketing group, uh, we have since rebranded. Uh, this happened about three years ago. So now we're Canvas Credit Union. Um, we are trying to be lean and mean, um, but really our main uh, perspective is how do we serve our membership, right? We're a community-based credit union. Um, we're really out there to serve both our members and the community, uh, whether that's through financial services or some other form of service. Um, we're really large in the industry supporting our first responders, um, we support school lunch programs. We're really just, that's part of who we are at Canvas. Um, we're a little different than most financial institutions. Uh, we really try and bend over backwards for a member and really go that extra mile for them um, to try and differentiate us. So uh, we've, times are changing here at Canvas. We have really just passed, I think, three and a half billion in terms of total assets. From a size perspective here in Colorado, I believe we're approximately third or fourth and rapidly climbing. So more great things to come here at Canvas. And, uh, you know, we're just really looking to expand our brand and uh, serve our member. I just got to say it. I mean, Sam gave your, your bio there and I'm already impressed to be all hell. Then you're talking about what Canvas is doing. I think it's outstanding. I truly do. Appreciate that, Brett. Yeah, we've uh, we've come a long way, and we're really out in the community to just try to serve our membership. And you know, it's a passion internally here at Canvas as well. Um, I think from the top down, really, Todd sets that uh, direction for us, and we take his lead and really, really try and serve that member. And that's our main focus. From my perspective, right? What are we doing? Uh, we're in risk management, fraud cards, disputes. Um, really, we're just trying to make sure that nobody's stealing money from Canvas and nobody's stealing money from our members. So we well, kind of sort of- That's a good purpose. goal to have. <laughs> it is, it is. Uh, feels like a lot of pressure, but we, uh, we kind of look at it as our challenge to really get out in front of the fraud. And part of that really is leveraging the informant toolcase system. Um, we really, uh, Rather than be reactive, we're trying to flip that script, right? We're really trying to get out there with member outreach, 
uh, identifying those risky scenarios and really try and get out in front. Um, so both the member has a great member experience. We save members money and even better, we're saving Canvas money. So we, we leverage today that our toolcase informant system. Um, Sam, as we'd mentioned, right, informant toolcase has been a great partner with us. Um, we've got many layers of fraud, you know, management and mitigation. I think the industry standard is really kind of falcon that many, many um, financial institutions really leverage. I think with informant toolcase, they're going to start chipping away at Falcon a little bit and see if they can be that uh, new uh, mainstream system that all financial institutions are really going to try and shift towards. Um, really, from a toolcase informant perspective, we're able to set rules uh, here internally. And this is something I talked about with Sam and really kind of compliment the team there is other systems, right? You have limited flexibility on what type of rules or scenarios that you can really impact or, or or take action on immediately. And that's the, really what we see at Canvas is the biggest benefit for informant toolcase. You really write our own rules uh, for we're identifying trends, whether that's through the AI score with informant or just simple uh, dispute analysis. And we're coming up with different trends. We're able to really act quickly and efficiently to really try and put rules in place Again, what do we want to do? We want to get out ahead of these situations and really try and mitigate them before they start to fester. I like it. I do. I like it. Let me, yeah. let me ask you. So the reason for the ridiculous hat, <laughs> I, uh, I just got through, not, not 30 minutes ago, got through doing a webinar for AARP. I'm spokesperson, ambassador of them, whatever you, you want to call it. But one of the last questions that I got, this lady, um, she she types in her question, and her question was, is, you know, for credit unions, for smaller financial institutions, how do we know that they've got really good security? So, and and what I, my answer, I didn't really have a, a really good answer to that, because I look at an institution like Bank of America. Bank of America spends a billion dollars a year on cybersecurity, a billion dollars, and you know, you've got a lot of, and, and the answer is not, of course, that a bigger institution has better security or less security. It's, it differs from institution to institution, but, but for, for a credit union, and you guys are, are doing a great job over there. I, I love your background. I think that you're absolutely skilled through the roof on stopping fraud and security and everything else. So I think that you're best suited to answer, you know, what's the differences in security from a Bank of America that spends a billion dollars a year and a smaller financial institution that simply doesn't have that type of ability. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's 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 great perspective. And I think with all what we see in the industry today, all of the account compromises, information getting stolen, things being on, available on the dark web, you can buy a social security number and information for a dollar. Um, yeah, it's a good point, right? What do we say here at Canvas from a security perspective? Uh, really, we've built our team out. Uh, we've got a CISO, Chief Security Officer right now that's leading our show. Um, we have spent, I can't count how many millions of dollars. We're not at the billion dollar level as a um, Bank of America, but certainly as a smaller institution, we do have that opportunity to look a little more closely at our systems a lot of the systems that we are employing are industry standards uh, solutions from a security standpoint that 
a Bank of America, for example, would be deploying. Um, we're starting to move things up in the cloud and really from an infrastructure perspective, since Todd has really been at the helm at Canvas, what Todd kind of framed it as, we got to start blocking and tackling before we can really kind of move ahead. So uh, what does blocking and tackling mean? Well, that means a lot of things to different people, but to me, that means we need to harden our infrastructure up. We need to improve anything involved with security. Uh, how do we do that, right? We've got internal, external audits, um, and people are coming in all day, every day to take a look, because why? Yeah, this is an incredibly significant problem in the industry right now. And what can I say confidently? I can say confidently that our last security audit, we had limited to no findings. I think there was something just below a finding. And let's just say we celebrated that success because I've never come across a security audit that's been that clean. So <laughs> all of that work that we've done, that blocking and tackling, uh, getting in our chief security officer and really trying to, uh, you know, look across our systems, where are our gaps, have some out external uh, audit help to come in and help identify those gaps, and then really work hard as a team to close those. That's where we're at at Canvas, and and we're not afraid to tell people, right? You see all these compromises all day, every day. I mean, I think I just read about one in the Apple Play Google Store, right? legitimate downloads, 300,000, you know, banking Trojan, right, is out there. Well, guess what? That didn't happen at Canvas. I, I can't tell you. Uh, we have no compromise that we're aware of right now. So we're going to continue to tell that message. We're going to continue to look at ourselves and harden down the security of our system. And really, right. it's from, from that aspect, uh, you know, link that to the hands-on, right? We want to get out. We want to tell them about that. So our branches are out there. We never shut down during COVID. Uh, we kept operating. We had appointments. We had different ways of you know handling things safely. But you know, safety and security is, is very important to Canvas, and uh, you know we will continue to double down on that as it's uh, so important in the industry. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting to me that you said, you know, you harden targets and you and the audit comes back as clean as it did because you know the stat you hear a lot of people out there they're they're complaining about zero day attacks and they're worried about these unknown vulnerabilities, but statistically 90% of every single attack uses known exploits. Yes. It's not the zero day attacks. It's the exactly. stuff we know about, we've been told about that we're not doing anything about. That's the problem. You got that right, Brett, right? What's the weakest link? That's where they're going to attack. We may That's even it. know there's a vulnerability It's there. not rocket science. Exactly. It's not. I mean, so it's I'm just things really like upgrading. You guys are doing that. Yeah, it's just things like upgrading the Windows 10, right, and the ATM network. Just, you know, just basic things that you need to do to, you know, keep up and hopefully stay ahead. So Yeah, yeah, and I can't tell you, it, it, it thrills me to no end to hear that that you're taking that approach it truly does i mean when you when you consider all of these breaches over the past two decades plus every single one of them have involved some sort of known exploit it's not yeah. it's not computer geniuses it's the stuff that we've been told about it's these outward facing smbs it's all this stuff rolled up together that nobody's doing anything about that's opening the doors to criminals and to to see that you guys are just doing the nuts and bolts you know i've, I've been talking about that a lot the past week 
about how proper cybersecurity isn't sexy. It's just simply doing the nuts and bolts of what you need to do to protect your system. And I, that makes me really happy that you guys are doing that over there. It really does. Yeah, thanks, Brett. Nuts and bolts, blocking and tackling, right? Similar terms, but you just got to do the basics, right? And, and, and get it done. So now how does, how does Toolcase help with that? Yeah, how's Toolcase help with that? Well, um, you know, we, Canvas, feel very secure that we are hardened down, right? Our security is as good as we can make it, and we'll continue to, uh, you know, put efforts towards making it better. How does Toolcase inform and help us? Well, let's just say we, Canvas, are leveraging Toolcase to mitigate many different flavors of fraud. Um, from a safety and security perspective, what are we looking at? Well, I'd say top of mind card fraud really, really kind of comes to the forefront. And Toolcase is very helpful in identifying those situations that are absolutely fraudulent transactions. We've worked with Toolcase to come up with various rule sets, whether that's just frequency of transactions, whether it's certain dollar amounts. Those are just real basic ones. But we can also put into play if this happens, then that, right? So maybe you got a uh, uh, a um, test transaction, right? For a dollar, a few cents, followed up by a larger transaction. Well, that's something that both our rule is going to identify and the AI score that uh, Sam's team has put in play to really bubble that risk up to this to the surface, right? We can write rules so we're blue in the face. Uh, I think when I started, we were working like. 40,000 alerts a month. Well, that's utterly ridiculous. I don't know how you find a needle uh, in a haystack out of 40,000 alerts, right? So um, I have worked with my team and we've really worked to refine the rule sets, right? Why are we spending all our time trying to find the needle in the haystack? Let's use the system and the capabilities of the system to really point us in the direction. I, I kind of look at it as a directional finder. Um, it identifies some fraud scenarios, but it's also gonna help us with trending, right? right? If the same thing continues to show up over and over in Toolcase, well, guess what? We're gonna go back, we're gonna work with our, our teams to either write a Falcon rule to knock that down, right? Uh, or decline that transaction immediately. Uh, we're gonna be reaching out to our members. We're gonna try and educate our branches and our comp center and our staff. Uh, really be on the lookout for this. And if they do talk to one of our members and, you know, they're talking about a certain situation that we've identified within Toolcase Informant, well, they're armed with that data and that information and they're able to educate our members. So hopefully they're not going to that foreign website or they're not going to, you know, they're not handing their card over to their friend and having them do, you know, uh, crypto transactions out of Amman, Jordan or something, right? So um, education is power. And so we really try to leverage Toolcase and that AI score and all, because we're feeding all this data right back in, right? If we identify fraud, system set up where we confirm that as fraud, and it's just going to elevate that AI score. So it's a very targeted way that we can use our time effectively and efficiently to identify the fraud and hopefully get out in front of it sooner rather than later and take action. Okay. So let me ask you this. And, and I don't mean to be a walking advertisement, but for that to be really be effective, it has to have some sort of ease of use to it. 
Now, and the reason I say that is I'm aware of some products out there that it it require you know it requires almost knowing a completely different language <laughs> to get the thing working. So, how, how, what about the ease of use with with informant and toolcase? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from an ease use perspective, we've been working with with Sam's team really to to create the ease of use and make it better for for us as well as other um, clients. So. Uh, we've had a very healthy dialogue along the way of, yeah, what is going to make this better? Well, Toolcase has gone ahead and they've really taken the position that from a visual perspective, right? They've created a, uh, call it a dashboard, right? Where you're reviewing situations that you have written rules for to identify. And so they've made it incredibly easy to sort our rule sets out, i.e., right? What's the first thing we do? Well, we click on the AI score and we'll work the highest AI score first. That just seems intuitive and logical. Um, from that, right, what happens when you click into the alert itself? Well, that's where all this visualization pops up. And they really try and give us just visual clues so we don't have to go too far under the hood and really dig deeply they give us all these visual tools that we can assess the situation hopefully quickly and, and understand what's going on without really having to do a complete uh, account review. You do one quick look, and then if you identify that it's fraud, right, what do you do? Click a button, confirm fraud, right? We've got the ability to put notes in the account. We've got the ability to create a fraud case if it is confirmed fraud. Uh, so how do we use it, right? Say that we um, say that we identify a situation, it's fraud. We look at the visualization. We click on the button. We're confirming fraud. We reach out to the member. We call them. We give them a heads up. We put notes in the account, and then we take action. I mean, it just makes it really easy because we're not doing any separate fraud reporting. As soon as we click go, that's fed back into the system. If it's not fraud, same thing, right? Hey, this isn't a fraudulent scenario. Maybe you want to lower your AI score and uh, you know we don't really want to bubble this one up to the surface anymore, but it's the ease of use. And then as a partner, right, we're continuing to look at ways to improve that, whether that be um, improve the system and detection itself, or what we've been looking at recently is, do we have the ability to integrate, right? Do we have right back capability into our core system? So that's really kind of next on our horizon is, again, more ease of use. Can we work in toolcase and form it, take an action in that system that will feed all the way back to our core, right? And so that's really the direction I think that we're both looking towards uh, going forward. Once we get that piece, I mean, it becomes even more easy to use. And when I'm talking about ease of use, we've got the operational side and we got the risk mitigation side. I mean, on both ends, from my perspective, my whole mantra is effectiveness and efficiency and toolcase informant really enables us to do that. Um, you know, also, uh, I just want to kind of add, right? We, we review rules all every month. And from a toolcase perspective, we're scoring these rules making sure they're effective or not. So that's another feedback loop that, that we always leverage from an ease of use, right? There's good reporting that we can pull out of, of the toolcase informant system. We can use those to analyze our rule sets 
and really tweak those rules going forward. So there's just a lot of flexibility with the tool. And I think compared to many other fraud systems, it's really that flexibility that, that really keeps us working close to the toolcase and format and wants us to continue that down that path. I like it. I, like it. I ain't got no complaints about that. <laughs> <laughs> you did a fantastic job of describing the system and that wasn't necessarily part of the agenda, but I appreciate you bringing that up. And, um, you know, for a lot of listeners out there, they're, you know, fortunately they, they may not have the solution, may not have the tool. I, I, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to ask you, Sean, I, I know you've got a, a strong background in analytics and you hit, a, you hit upon something there I think is probably worth mentioning. We see a, a strong movement uh, across the financial industry and other industries to boot. Um, you, people trying to get their arms around their data, right? They've been sitting on this data in various forms or aspects, uh, may, many of which are siloed and not well integrated. You, you know, one of the things I think it's important for, for listeners because we've been talking about the toolcase informant solution to understand is that the, the integration piece is really critical to be able to understand uh, the data, right? You, you have to have the ability to look across multiple data sets. I don't know if, if people picked up on the fact that, uh, that we reach out and we grab the pre-authorization stream on that, on that card detail, which I, you know, I know makes it you know, uh, a critical piece for your investigative uh, methods, but not everybody has that capability, right? So, right. What, what I'm what I'm curious, is, you know, today, where and you can you can tell by Brett's uh, Brett's costume, we're approaching one of the busiest fraud periods of the year, and I'm, I'm curious what. You know, kind of advice you have to those that are listening right now. What what type of immediate steps maybe are you taking, or should other institutions take in preparation for the changes that we're going to see in the spike in holiday spending? Yeah, thanks, Sam. Um, you know how we're approaching it. Uh, we've got kind of a two pronged approach. One is really education. We talked about that in the past. Education is power. Um, whether that's educating our own internal staff, our own internal family members, so they can do outreach as they're working with our members. But we're also doing that outreach different ways from a social media perspective, our website uh, perspective. And we're really trying to make sure that our members understand that, yes, it is the holiday season. And yes, this is an uptick in fraud. Um, fraudsters tend to try and layer and, and hide some of their transactions in the significant volume here. We can also say that some of our uh, members might be doing a little cyber shoplifting at the same time. First party fraud is definitely a challenge as well, but really one angle, right? Education. So internal family members, external. On my side of the equation, we've just tweaked our rules a little bit more closely, right? I have, I have increased what we review. So whereas some of the AI scores that were high before, maybe we're gonna look at some of those AI scores that are just a little bit lower. The reason being is we're trying to do more outreach. It's kind of the same educational method. If we can identify more scenarios sooner rather than later and do the outreach, that's what we'd like to do. We'd stop it in their path uh, up front. That's our best path, right? 
So from a review perspective, um, check deposits, right? That's going up. We're putting maybe an additional hold on there uh, for card transactions, right? We're seeing a lot of really strange transactions out of foreign countries. I mentioned the crypto earlier. Um, we're really trying to be more in tune on those negative scenarios that seem to be bubbling up sooner rather than later. What, what gives me the biggest heartburn is the target breach. I was working at Visa at the time, and let's just say I had to consult all the big banks on this target breach and what they need to do and all this great stuff. I mean, what we tell our members is we've got great controls in place. And if you do have a problem, right, give us a call. We'll, we'll fix it. And, and that's the other side of my responsibility. We can file card disputes. We can make a member whole. We're very member friendly here. Um, but I also have a, a fraud investigator that, you know, we're out there trying to put people away. We just got federal, we just got a federal uh, um, sentencing on one of our uh, Ryan Rivera. I don't know if you know the name at all, Sam, or heard it from other financial institutions, but uh, we take perverse pleasure in uh, actually going after these people and putting them away. So whenever we get a win like that, we try and celebrate our success. I know I'm a little off topic, but no, uh, not at all. I just want to go that because uh, <laughs> when we get those wins, right, we don't see them often, but when we do get them, it's uh Let's just say I might be taking a trip up to Wyoming for you'll see that sentencing. So <laughs> good. good. So, so let me ask you, you uh, and and uh, if Sam doesn't mind, I, I, I want to talk about a couple of specific types of fraud. One of which you mentioned was uh, first party fraud. Yeah. So this this and on the criminal side, I'm going to refer to myself as a criminal right now. We call it refunding. All right. Refunding. It's, sure. Yeah. It's a it's a structured type of crime. That takes place in groups. If you're not confident enough to do it yourself, you can pay a refunder anywhere from seven to twenty percent to to refund those items for you. Now, historically, I mean, okay, so this fraud, I'm sure you know this as well, but just for those who may be listening who aren't aware, this fraud starts at Amazon back 2013, 2012, somewhere through there. What we saw on Evolution Marketplace is where it starts. On Evolution Marketplace, members of that criminal community were coming on and saying, hey. I'm making $10,000 a month doing Amazon refunds. And the response from most of the criminal members were, you, sir, are full of shit. No one can make that kind of money on refunds. Turns out they weren't, and they were making that kind of money on refunds. So they ate Amazon alive on refund fraud. They were stealing MacBook Pros, 65-inch TVs, living room sofas, and the way you would do it back then is you would sign on for an Amazon free trial with Prime. You'd use your card, your name. You'd order that MacBook Pro. Amazon would ship it out. Two days later, they'd leave it on your porch. You'd get it back on Amazon and contact them via text or phone and say, hey, I didn't get it. Amazon would send you another one out. Two days later, they'd leave it on your porch. You'd call them back. I didn't get that one either. And then Amazon would give you a refund. <laughs> so, of course, it ate them alive. Then, I mean, Amazon, after a while, they, they come up and they start, after a year and a half of that, they start instituting security. And the security that they initially put in place is they said, hey, we're going to require a police report. Well, someone in the criminal community said, you know, I wonder if they're checking those police reports. So they sent a Photoshop one in 
They weren't checking police reports. They get the refund again. So immediately a little industry pops up of Photoshopped police reports at $25 a pop. They eat them alive for another six months. Now, that was the way it was going on back then. And you would think that Amazon, over the years, has been able to stop that fraud. Today, Amazon's limits are $15,000, and you get the refund within three days. So, and, and the techniques they're using to commit that fraud, I mean, it's the did not arrive, it's the, well, the laptop wasn't in the box, or it's faking tracking information in order to make it look like they've sent the item back. Now, those are the known techniques. There's a couple of new techniques that, that are being used currently that I'm not right now able to talk about, but I'd just like to see you, you said that you're very big about prosecuting. This fraud is known and advertised as most merchants nor financial institutions prosecute anyone that's engaged in it. I mean, that's one of the advertisements that are given on these communities when, when you talk about refund fraud. So I'd like to get your input on that and, and what you think about this type of fraud. And I mean, how do you stop it? I mean, Amazon's not stopped it. I mean, all these other merchants and retailers, actually the dollar amounts have increased over the past six months, not decreased. Yeah. Um, what do you think? We, we can see in the same trend, right? And and it's an industry-wide problem, as as you described, Brett. Um, I mean, it could just be an innocent member getting caught up in some scam, right? That they're simply buying gift cards at Home Depot or Best Buy or whatever, and saying I got scammed and trying to get a refund. We know Reg E and Reg Z kind of work against us a little bit in the car dispute perspective and so it's everything is very much customer and member friendly and to your point you're looking at it from a merchant perspective yeah amazon was getting their tail handed to them i know right. best buy right started implementing a lot better controls and they're having a lot more success but then you hear of the well if it's less than 900 we're not going to prosecute and right. you just start wondering right you're like well if we're going to let all this little petty crime go and we're not going to do anything, it, it, it just, oh, well, if I could do it here, let's just up that game a little bit, right? Yeah. So we've got two sides of the equation. We've got the members that are overtly trying to defraud Canvas. Uh, they are signing up for accounts, um, whether it's under their own name or, quite frankly, we are seeing synthetic identities being submitted quite frequently. Um, if that gets through our controls and somebody should acquire a credit or debit card, uh, what we're seeing a lot of now is really people dumping in bad checks. Right. And, you know, sure, we're putting holds on, but the social engineer branch or the comp center, the whole will be removed, you know, and then the money's gone. Um, whether that's through really the, what we're seeing a lot of is via the, the cash app, the Venmo, the Zelle, the, hey, you know, I, 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 my account got hacked and all of a sudden my money went to Zelle, you know, to this person. But oftentimes we're like, well, you sent it to yourself or somebody named the same or they're not the school criminals, right? They're the ones that are just trying to learn. Um, we have a big problem with kids and social media because we're so community friendly. Uh, you saw our kind of support, right? We're a big uh, CSU supporter. 
you've got all those kids up there at CSU and they all have their phones, right? And they're all looking to get something for nothing. Um, so well, you, got, I mean, you, you think about it. I mean, you got that kid in college. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't have a lot of money, but he's wanting that PlayStation 5. Absolutely. And all of a sudden you got some guy online saying, hey, you can get refund fraud. Pay me, you know, 15% of what it's worth. I get your money back. You don't have to pay me until you get your money back. So I'll say, how do we handle that, right? Delicately. Uh, we have a very seasoned fraud investigator, Sarah Igo. She's very good at talking to people, and she's got contacts all across Colorado and outside of Colorado. So it's very helpful. Um, especially if we've got contacts with law enforcement. So the refund fraud, right? Many times we get mom involved. It's the kids, right? We'll bring them both down to the station and the kid cracks every time because what happened is, guess what? Mom and son or mom and daughter or dad and daughter, well, you name the combo and, and you know, they just got a joint account. Well, lo and behold, the kid's doing all this activity, refund fraud, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, Unfortunately, uh, the parent is going to back their kid up down sideways, and sometimes we'll pull them both down to the police station and really have them give their story. I'll say that we can't stop everything, right? We, right. to that point, we do prosecute. But well, that's, you know, it's I like everybody else, we prosecute point. only at certain dollar levels. Right. And only if we can partner with other financial institutions, right, to really build a case. But, you know, well, that's, that's the thing is, is with these merchants, you know, it took merchants forever to realize that, OK, yeah, you've got some of these kids or some of these uh, which would otherwise, otherwise be legitimate people, law abiding sure. people that, that sometimes engage in it. It took a long time to start to convince merchants that, hey, you guys aren't understanding. A lot of this crime is organized groups which are attacking your systems. It's organized groups which are coming into your environments, whether it be financial institutions or retail level merchants, and they're defrauding your systems. And, and I think that's one of the big things is when you talk about prosecuting, I am all for giving any criminal except a kid, any yeah. criminal a good stint in prison because believe you me, it does a body good. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I agree with you there. It's it's disconcerting, right? I, I don't understand where we've come that everybody uh, deserves free money, but that feels like we're where we are today. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think we've all heard of the dark web, right? I mean, I've gone out and downloaded the fraud Bible. I mean, it's pretty disconcerting. I don't know, Brett, you could probably do the fraud Bible a lot more justice than I can, but. I mean, that outlines any and all techniques you possibly want to try or do um, down to the level of how do you hack into various systems. Um, and so <laughs> what's even more concerning, Brett, is the kids, right, where they're getting these social media and you want to just make a quick hundred bucks. And then pretty right. soon, you know, back and forth, back and forth, pretty soon their account is negative $1,500. Um, it's, it's tough. Um, so back to the refund fraud, right? What, what are we doing there? Um, again, we try to identify it early. I've got a crack team of dispute analysts. We'll go out and honestly, if we believe that there's complicit, the member is complicit, we're going to decline their dispute and hold them accountable. Um, sometimes 
we waver a little bit, right? Because Reg E is pretty straightforward. But then again, it's if you are a fraudster and you are trying to steal money, that carve out's not there anymore. And so we feel strongly about that. So we really try and hold the line. Um, it's challenging at Canvas only because we're very member friendly and we're going to give the member the benefit of the doubt. So in the back office here, we've got a lot of sticky situations, but just from a, a fraud loss perspective, I mean, since I've been here, we've reduced fraud losses year over year the last three years, about 17.5% per year, which is great. It is. Um, but now that, you know, card volumes are increasing, naturally those just kind of correlate to higher um, fraud volumes uh, or fraud losses. And what I feel like some merchants are doing and other institutions, right? It's, well, guess what? We've got a loss provision, right? It's almost like the loans, you know, for auto or, or mortgage. Oh, well, we got a million or two million a month loss provision. Well, merchants are doing that. Financial institutions are doing that. It's the cost of doing business. I don't know, for a fraud guy, it doesn't feel right, right? Like, we just assume hold the line and, uh, make sure that we educate people that this is the wrong thing to do. But I feel like the industry is kind of working towards that. Um, and it's a little disconcerting that we're continuing to let some of these small frauds go. And, uh, well, you know, you know, just from personal experience, it's anecdotal. It's my experience, but you know, sure. I, I started out, I was a lifetime criminal. I started out uh, committing crimes when I was 10, continued on from there. My entry into computer crime, that type of online fraud starts out small. It does. Yeah. It starts out small, but it grows until I'm leading the pack. And, yeah. and my view of that is when you allow those small crimes to go by without consequence, the only thing it does is it reinforces the criminal to continue on and try bigger and better things. So I'm all about prosecuting, reporting crime, everything else. Uh, I'm, I'm really think, happy talking to you today. I really am. I think you're doing a great job over there. I'm, I'm glad that Toolcase is, is coming in and providing a service and a product that's assisting you in the great work that you're doing as well. But one of the things I wanted to touch on, I talk about the three necessities of cybercrime, of online crime. Those three necessities are, you know, you gather data, and you commit the crime, and then finally you cash it out. So, you know, gathering data is a stolen PII. It's the data, but it's also the tools that are used. So if you're looking sure. at spoofed browser fingerprints or spoofed phone calls, anything else like that. The big one, I think, where you guys are concerned is, of course, the cashing out aspect. Yeah. You know, because criminals, if we look at it, there's bank accounts, there's prepaid cards, and then there's gift cards. And if you can get the bank account, man, you're doing pretty good at that point. You're talking about a much higher dollar level cash out than a, a prepaid. You can cash out a lot of prepaid cards and hit those dollar amounts, but it's more work. So typically you want that 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 bank account. Uh, you had mentioned, and I'll get what I'm getting at is this idea, you know, when I was committing fraud, you knew that you had to age the account out, that you had to have some traffic on the account to make it look legitimate, things like that. And there were set limits that typically you'd age the account out anywhere from 30 to 90 days. Yeah. You start laundering money through it from there. You'd have some traffic on it and things like that. Um, what hits me is this, this idea with the stimulus fraud that was going on. Mm. So, you know, there's a reason that fraudsters, the majority of fraudsters pivot to unemployment fraud and not paycheck protection fraud. And that's simply the laundering mechanism that was available because, you know, yeah, you can get the government to send you out $2 million on a PPP, 
but you got to have a bank account to deposit that in. And that bank account has to look legitimate or else you ain't going to get the money out. So that's that's why these fraudsters pivoted over to unemployment fraud, because it's very easy to use a prepaid card or a cash app account or something like that. I'd, I'd like you to speak to that that idea these fraudsters are, are adopting of patience, both in aging bank accounts and in synthetic fraud, since you said you'd seen some of those accounts coming through. So what I'm seeing is, is that you know, the longer the account remains in the system unused or without actual fraud perpetrated on it, the more legitimate it looks and the, the more the criminal cashes out at the end. Yeah, I agree completely, Brett. Um, yeah, ever since COVID hit and unemployment kind of went through the roof, um, Canvas, just like many other financial institutions, was hit by unemployment fraud. Hit PPP fraud too, but yeah, unemployment was certainly key. We had two flavors of those. We had people that already had accounts with Canvas and they were approached by the fraudsters as an avenue or call it a money mule, right? To receive the unemployment benefits in their account, they would in turn forward that money on to the fraudster or wherever the fraudster directed them, whether they're taking it out and uh, gift cards, creating prepaid cards, just forwarding the cash overseas, sending a wire. Um, we had that and they keep a couple hundred bucks or a thousand bucks until their account goes negative. But then we had the active fraudsters that, yeah, we've got online application process, right? So our application portal all of a sudden was flooded with all kinds of online applications. We really had to tighten down those controls, i.e., right, we finally learned to prevent applications, right, from outside the U.S. We, we started blocking various states that we shouldn't be receiving applications in either. Just that, <laughs> you know, just that type of proactiveness to try and mitigate it. But we still had fraudsters come through, right? So um, to your point, what are we seeing? We, we're seeing IDs. We're seeing fake social security cards. We're seeing fake, you know what, right? And if you're not looking at it in a documentarian uh, environment and really scrutinizing it, um, you can let some of these folks in the door. And we had to put a lot of special processes in place really to look for these scenarios, identify the new accounts that were popping up, right? If I'm looking at an account and I'm reviewing that account and the credit history is nil. <laughs> and well, let me rephrase that. We know it's not nil from a synthetic identity, right? Right, right. Whether they put it into Canvas and did an inquiry to create a credit you know, bureau file, whether they did it at Canvas, did it somewhere else and then came back to Canvas or like vice versa, right? Somehow they created a credit bureau a synthetic identity. Then they got the fake information to line up with it. Then they open the account Then they file the unemployment. Then they get the money and then they're on their way. So, um, yeah, it, it was a difficult uh, time for us. We haven't it's kind of tamped down, I think, because all the extra payments and unemployment have gone away. But it was certainly a, a large avenue for fraudsters to exploit. I think we as an institution learned quite a bit to not open so many accounts frivolously. If there's a question, do a secondary review. And honestly, from a back-end monitoring perspective, 
Toolcase helped us with those situations, right? Large dollar amount coming in, large dollar amount going right back out, right? Speed of money just kind of flying. It's more of a PSA AML, but well, that's that's one of the things I wanted to ask about is you yeah. know you you really you really kind of hit it on the head there. I mean, you've got documents now, fake IDs, social security numbers, billing statements, proof of address, what have you. You've got these documents. So let's be honest. You can't really tell the difference between a forged document and the real thing. You can't. All right. Not, not easily. It's is. just human eyes looking on that. So that and and you said it there as as well. You've got you need a system in there that's looking at, at real time data. That's looking at every aspect that's going on. It's giving you a snapshot of what's going on in your system, so that even while these documents you they look real, even while they're there, you can tell that no, there's there's something wrong. Yeah, and you can do that, and and I, I appreciate you bringing that up. That that tool case does allow that possibility. That it does that for you, because let's be honest, a human being, if it, if I'm just looking to get my way past a human being, I can do that all day, every day. Yeah, but when you're looking at systems in there that are in place that are flagging these other variables that are popping up, it becomes much more difficult at that point. Yeah, tool case informants hooked into our core, so we do have all that data, right? So we are able to spin that data around and look for those variables that are not right and take action quickly. So it's very helpful having such a tool that can organize all the data uh, the way you need it to, especially from a risk perspective. I know Sam's trying to leverage toolcase informants for a lot of other different uses outside of just risk, but uh, from a risk perspective, we just really appreciate the fact that it can interrogate all that data and synthesize it for us, point us in the right direction. It's just very helpful. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to bring something. I'm going to go back in conversation a little bit. You guys have been talking about the uh, cops doing business taking on this loss, and I think you you started this conversation today uh, with uh, illustrating how you guys have taken. A proactive step in in what you could do to manage your fund. I think we're not only you know did maybe consumers not uh, put you know tie pieces together when it comes to the, the cost and, the, and um, to to them as as individuals when fraud and loss becomes an issue for a financial institution. But I think sometimes it's lost for financial institutions yeah. and themselves. But you know, if you take that scenario of, of, of rising, and look, it's it's not going away. As we become more digital in what we're doing today, and COVID launched us into that, and many financial institutions way more rapidly than anticipated into a you know a digital enterprise environment. But it's only going to get faster, right? We're we're you know we're just on the cusp of the faster payments. You've got you've got Zelle launching in, in FIs across the nation. Uh, you, you're seeing evidence of this. Rod's already prepared to happen quickly, right? <laughs> what's, what's not prepared to happen quickly is the mitigation in the investigated side of things and detection side. And, and I'm, this not a tool case pitch with the exception of what we do from a real-time perspective. But where people are, I think, oftentimes missing the connection, whether it's students that are, are you know, are talked into committing crime at, at you know, through, you know, through some type of a social mechanism at college, or consumers thinking get away with some of this refund fraud. From a financial institution perspective, as fraud and loss increases, 
it becomes that much more difficult for that financial institution to turn around and offer competitive products because you, you've got to be in it to cover your nut, right? There's there's no free lunch. You, you've yep. got to be you got to be able to turn some type of profit in in the sense of uh, or, or in respect to the losses, as you guys are experiencing losses and taking on bigger charges, you may be able to, to make the customer whole, but that's at a cost to you. I think a lot of people don't recognize is you're, you're bonded and insured against those things. Your premiums, your deductibles are, deductibles mm-hmm. are going up. If that cost of business increases, it's being passed off to the consumer. So I, I love I love the fact that you know you've admitted and you've taken that progressive strategy because you guys get it. Canvas understands the relationship, and I've heard you. I've heard you say over and over and over again the commitment that you have to the members uh, in in ensuring that uh, you know you're trying to do the best for them. So I think it's important for them to realize that members that when they're offering up that education and you're you're talking about the proactive steps and the mitigation efforts you're making. And the fact that you're calling them on the phone and telling them about fraud before they've even been made aware of the fact that it happens, that's a critical message to a customer. I've been on the other side of that where you know, we're doing the detection, we're calling our financial institution and alerting them to the fraud. And sure, they can make us whole and they and we can wait five more days for, for a new for a new debit card to arrive and then make all of our auto pay adjustments. But that's not how you want to conduct your business, right? Right. Yeah, no, it's a great point, Sam. And we get thanked up, down, sideways by our members when we do do the outreach and it is very important to them. Um, yeah, I do want to mention something. Uh, Brett had mentioned AARP early on, and I just wanted to touch a little bit on elder abuse and uh, you know elder fraud or just even at-risk people, right? Um, Seeing a large uptick there, um, Canvas was, uh, had the opportunity to be a beta client for the SAFE program here uh, with the Secretary of State and AARP. Um, So we have done a lot of work with our elder abuse and at-risk members. We do have quite a few older folks and We're certainly observing a lot of, and we know, right, family members seem to be the worst ones with some of these elder abuse situations, but we're seeing a lot of whether or not these elders are being used for that uh, unemployment fraud, or they're being used as a cash out fraud or a refund fraud. And so we're really trying to look out on behalf of those members as well. I just want to point out, because right with the demographics, the way they're going, um, right, our, our population is aging, and those are the people with all the money, uh, right? They're ready to retire, and they're a little at risk. So just want to mention that, that we're really trying to put forth a greater effort towards those folks that are either at risk or, or meet the uh, definition of, of elder abuse, and, and that just seems to be increasing, uh, unfortunately, as an observation. No, you're you're right. It is an increase, and I, I I really appreciate you coming out and saying that. I truly do. I mean, it's um, I, I've been working with AARP for um, over two years now, going into my third this next year. They do a fantastic job. You know, Fraud Watch is over there trying to protect everyone, and everything else, and uh, I'm just I'm honored to be a part of that group and and try to do what what help that I can. And I really appreciate you guys doing everything you guys are doing over there as well. Uh, one thing I did want to ask about. 
I, I'm friends with the director of security for a, a, a set of small banks in, in Texas. And uh, he's very adamant about training his staff uh, mm. to the point that uh, he had he, he trains the tellers to look for, you know, they, they come in and the customer comes in and the, you hear the chit chat from the teller to the customer. And it sounds like chit chat, but it's not chit chat. It's basically determining a baseline of that customer yeah. so that later on you start asking the more pointed questions to make sure everything's all right. And so this, this customer comes in to the main branch wants to withdraw all of her savings. And the, the teller is doing the chit chat, then the teller gets to the more pointed questions and determines that the customer is a victim of romance, a romance scheme. Sure. And what happens is, is the teller comes out and says, hey, we can't give you any money today. The customer goes off the handle, cussing, yeah. yelling, screaming, threatening, call law enforcement, everything else. End of the day, the bank didn't, because it's Texas, I guess, the bank did not give the customer any money. And saves the customer from being a victim at that point. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, everything I've heard from you today. I'm assuming that you do a lot of training with your staff and the tellers as well that come in there. Yeah, absolutely. Training, training's a large part of our program. Um, we talked about education. Education's power. So, you know, just our neo class, new employee orientation. I mean, we've got red flags training. We've got elder abuse training. Right, we're hitting them right off the bat because these most of these folks are our frontline staff and they do need to be aware right and so in addition to that right my fraud team goes out and does outreach to all the branches so we try and touch each branch at least once a quarter we know there's lots of folks uh, a lot of turnover right they just way employment is today especially the lower level jobs so yeah from our perspective training is incredibly important um we really we we had some we didn't we didn't track our elder abuse cases uh, as well as we needed to so we've made some changes there and with those changes training's a, a much heavier part of that and so my team's involved in any and all situations now going forward um, we track them uh, we coach we educate we'll be the ones you know. The people identifying the elder abuse are going to be the ones reporting it, but we're there to help hold their hand with law enforcement or adult protective, adult protective services or whatever the case may be. Um, the situation that you just described, yeah, we unfortunately see that all the time, whether it's withdrawing cash or a big wire came in and now they're going to wire it out. And, you know, even with the notes on the account, sometimes uh, people... Uh, don't necessarily catch on to that at the branch. So we're really stressing the importance of account review. I think the chit chat, as you described, is absolutely important, right? Just kind of assess what's going on. Something looks weird. There's somebody out in the parking lot. There's somebody sitting in the lobby with so-and-so, or they're just a little off, right? So um, all that goes hand in hand. Um, I don't know, just a little sidebar story. It's just of greater importance to me personally. Um, my grandfather got scammed with gold coins, right? And I remember my uncle going into the bank and the bank wouldn't do anything, right? They're like, well, it's his money. We hadn't had him declared incapacitated. He can do whatever the heck he wants with his money, right? That money's long gone. Um, I also had a special needs brother. So he's at the Foundation for Independent Living down in Florida. I mean, I'm going out of my way to protect those at-risk people because it's near and dear to my heart. So, 
Right, um, right. That's just a little extra something, something about me. So I just want to share that. I love it. I, I, I do. I, I hats off to you, truly. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, you know, I. I I was I, I signed on today and I'm like, okay, we got this podcast to do, but you know what? I'm damn glad to be talking to you today. You you've really you've really kind of reinvigorated me with cybersecurity and the things that need to be done. Cause I gotta tell you, the past two months I've been like, man, none of these groups are doing what they need to do. <laughs> I got I got your post today on the uh on the refund front. Oh, yeah. and, uh, yeah. <laughs> I know where your blood pressure lies on that one. I, oh I, man. I'm man, sure, it's 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 insane. I'm sure you're with me when um when uh you see how you know how proactive Canvas is is being and obviously Sean you have a tremendous amount to do with uh with with their success and their posture in that place. I think it's a I think it's a, a real testament to um <clears throat> to what you're doing and I and I sure hope that your members and the community recognizes the achievements that you guys have made and, and at least in the commitment that you've made to continue to, to work for and, and with them. And Brett, I bet you're I bet you're you're also glad that you're you're not still trying to to get over on a on an institution like Canvas today. Man, I, well, the thing is, is if, you know, as a criminal, we recon everything. We do. An experienced criminal is not just going to plug and play and hope things yeah. work. We're going to do our research. We're going to recon. And you know, typically what I would do is I would try to set up an account at Canvas, and then I would try to defraud my own account or ATO my own account or anything else just to see what the steps are. But I got to tell you, with what Canvas is doing over there right now and everything they've got in place, I'd be like, nah, let's let's pick another institution. A little bit easier. That's that's <laughs> what you're after. It come down the road, Brad. That's right. <laughs> Good neighbor <laughs> policy. Sit up to the neighbor next door. Yes. <laughs> I want to thank you guys for, for uh, being part of the conversation today. It was a tremendous uh, you know, conversation. I think the dialogue was, was simply awesome. Uh, Sean, uh, kudos to you and your team and what you're doing over there at Canvas. Uh, Brett Johnson, always a pleasure, my friend. I want Sean to was outstanding, truly. Yeah, a great conversation. I hope, I hope the listeners get a chance to really dive in. And, and Sean, if, if folks want to reach you, is there, uh, is there a good place to, to connect? And I know maybe some of the listening institutions would probably like to pick your brain on yeah, absolutely. Let, let me just give you my my email address out. It's, it's just my name, S-E-A-N, and my last initial K. So, Sean K at canvas.org. Fantastic. Uh, happy to, yeah, happy to receive any and all questions. Um, always love uh, partnering with fellow fraud. Uh, well, I don't know what we call ourselves, but we're... You're a good guy. You're still a good guy. We're a good guy. We try to be, right? We all commiserate with all these fraudsters and what can we do with them? So, Brett, always a pleasure uh, getting to know the criminal side as well as, uh, you know, sounds like you're doing a lot of great work. So, appreciate you having me on. You are too. It's great. Yeah, Brett Johnson, a real pleasure. And and the the best place for folks to find you today. Uh, where can you find me? Find me on LinkedIn. I'm all over LinkedIn most of the time. Uh, you can find me at my website, Anglerfish. That's A-N-G-L-E-R-P as in Paul, H-I-S-H, anglerfish.com. Hey, I'm also, you know, I had a couple podcasts. Those took a hiatus. I'm launching a new show in January, the Brett Johnson Show. Ah, imagine that one. 
So tune into that in January. It'll be on Spotify, be on iTunes, all that good stuff. But if you need anything, don't hesitate to reach out. And by all means, pay attention to the good work that Sean Knutson is doing over at Canvas because I, I tell you, there's not a whole lot of institutions that do it as well as what he's doing right now, and it's worth looking at, truly. I appreciate that, Brett. And we couldn't do it without uh, Sam's help and Informant Toolcase. So I uh, really appreciate having the right tools to uh, you know bring it home and, and protect our members. So I want to wish you guys a happy holidays. Thanks for tuning in and being part of the show. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, everyone. Take care. Go <laughs> Learn more about the Toolcase suite of real-time AI products and how to protect your institution from fraud today.